0: plans are worthless but planning is everything general and president dwight eisenhower's wisdom still rings true today the mutual broadcasting system presents strat strategic risk assessment talk a forum with a preparedness mindset mitigating risks creating systems of prevention and recovery to deal with potential threats and understanding the objectives of a business continuity plan. This is the podcast for leaders who are committed to being prepared. Now, here are your hosts, retired marine intelligence officer and globally recognized risk expert, Hal Kempfer, and investment banking executive, Mark Mansfield. Mark, we're gonna talk about
1: seeing scenarios to prevent planning peril. And you and I have done a lot of scenario-based planning. We have done corporate war games all over the world, across the country. We've done all sorts of facilitated strategic exercises across the board. And this is about seeing things more clearly, better understanding, and avoiding what could be catastrophic loss through basically better awareness and understanding of what we're doing.
2: Yeah, uh, I just want to make one point about what, what you just mentioned. You know, Hal's being very humble here. We've actually done this uh, in uh, China, Korea, Japan, uh, through Europe, Scandinavia, and North America. Why is that relevant? Because actually a lot of what we discuss through these podcasts is understanding cultural elements. So working with people as they plan scenarios and test their plans within those cultures is is very, very important and uh, brings, I think, a great degree of insight to uh, what we're discussing here.
1: You know, it's surprising to me, uh, you know, corporations do this, government does it all the time, where they will get into planning uh, and and they don't do all the homework. They don't do all the research necessary to really holistically understand the situation, or they leave core components out. You know, the world is a changing place. You know, we talk about climate change. Well, if that if those changes aren't incorporated into your planning, then you're missing something. It gets into your supply chain. It gets into everything you do. But it's but it's seeing those scenarios for what they are. Really having a a a clear vision. Uh, of what could happen and bring in all those internal and external dynamics into that planning process.
2: Yeah, it's an organic process that's getting that's uh, it's accelerating probably quicker than any of us can keep track of. So typically to your point, it's been positioned as a static exercise done often on an, uh, an offsite, uh, retreat and then you know put away on the shelf or, or or stashed on a thumb drive. It's no longer that consideration, particularly um, given the dynamics you've heard us talk about on on the podcast. And other stakeholders or externalities are getting involved. You're going to find the insurance business is, is wants to know how current you are in understanding your risk, and your scenarios, and and what role that plays into what their risk is being involved with your operation
1: you know military intelligence uh we'd often use the acronym wet if you when you give your intelligence brief if you covered the weather the enemy and the terrain (laughs) you knew you were hitting some of the big components all right Right. now that now I, i can tell you that over the years that got every time i turn around they're adding something onto that acronym threats which were not necessarily the enemy per se but dealing with human terrain if you will in terms of what's out there all sorts of different things that go with that but hitting some of those big things but it's interesting in corporate stuff in corporate wargaming corporate planning a lot of times those core principles are not really well understood I also you know i will say that in some of the stuff i do we use a swot analysis up front you and i've done that a lot oh yeah strengths weaknesses opportunities threats and and that's you know adding on to the wet think you know the wet weather enemy terrain also looking at various opportunities out there, which gets into the whole investment banking side, which gets into M&A activity, all sorts of things where you may have missed ways to mitigate the risk, but also to get significant gains.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we, we make this point that uh, you, you, you need to understand holistically the environment, overlay that with the the options based on your scenario analysis, and then understand execution and, you know, having experienced bankers and uh, operators to, to, to go forward. One quick point is that when we conduct these, what's very important is it's not just a C-suite exercise. Um, it, it's that it's not a horizontal sign-off for like-minded stakeholders. What we found is that there's a, a, a significant vertical component, meaning that the person who might be, or the engineer, or the the manager, or someone on the floor frankly that may be able to isolate a problem has some kind of input because it's we found in real-life scenarios it's often that person in cube 13 that was invited to participate that had the greatest insight not 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 someone three levels up
1: you know it's interesting uh, with with the website grip S A S A, of course is a, a shorthand for situational awareness what I find throughout organizations is the more people that have good situational awareness, the better decisions are. You know, a lot of people like that centralized decision-making model where only the C-suite right. needs to know. I got to tell you, that is a pathway to peril. It is the foundation of failure, all right? When you think that only the C-suite is going to come up with the great ideas. What I've always found, I found this in the military, I found it in business, I find it in nonprofits, you know, across the board, is it's that guy down the hall that you see every day, you say good morning, you don't really think about, I mean, guy generically, could be man or woman down the hall. But if they know what's going on, they will see things, they will come up with those innovations, those great thoughts, which can actually avoid, you know, catastrophic impact, but also open up new opportunities. And I really think empowering the workforce is a big piece of this in seeing scenarios, because frankly, your workforce
2: will see things that you don't see. And that's part of the tension. And I, you know, my, my prejudice is, is that, you know, insofar as we we can manage ourselves post COVID, uh, a lot more gets accomplished when people actually do come to work on a centralized basis and have a shared experience um, as opposed to being particleized or uh, again, from an operational perspective, Matrix organizations can work, but they, 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 it takes a lot of effort to make sure there's vertical and horizontal communication so that ideas are shared and scenarios understood and, and championed together. Which goes to another quick point is that within an organization, a, a centralized command to get things going is, is important to a point but if everything is kept intelligence-wise or scenario-wise or option-wise isolated into one individual or uh, just a centralized C-suite, then that can be very risky in and of itself. If, if, if someone leaves, someone's, for whatever reason, no longer with us, um, you know, we, we need to have a, 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 a planning platform that can be shared.
1: Uh, you know, I see that a lot of times with organizations. You'll see it in the summer a lot. Decisions need to be made. And I think of one organization I work with where decisions need to be made in a timely manner because of a variety of different things. So-and-so was on vacation, so-and-so wasn't here, so-and-so was on a trip, whatever it was. And literally the company was creating its own peril, if you will, its own, its own foundation of failure. They couldn't make timely decisions because they didn't have that taken care of. They, they had centralized decisions with one or two individuals and the rest of the workforce really didn't feel empowered to do anything or say anything. In many cases, running things right up until zero hour, when you clearly see they need to change something a week or two weeks back, or at least several days back, running up to zero hour, and, and then they have to make a sudden dramatic change, which embarrasses the organization. And it, 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 you know, in some cases, if you talk about manufacturing, it could cause huge disruptions with ripple effects but they didn't see what was going on, and that was just not paying attention. But in your case, that that limited vision was really caused by over-concentrating the decision-making and input process uh, within an organization.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And so with the limited time that we have on on this podcast, we are going, we'll come back to that, we are going to uh, steer you towards relevant tools and provide clarity. But, you know, we, we all know we get it. We're, we're moving into a critical election year. So, you know, businesses, uh, so we've talked about, you've heard us talk about geopolitical drivers, ex- external threats um, or developments, however you want to characterize them. But then close to home in Fortress North America, you know, we, we are heading into understand, I need to understand scenarios and stage. And again, n- not to make the final decision, but to be directionally correct. Because we are working in, uh, we've said earlier, a year of public policy, where we're 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 making decisions about manufacturing, we're making strategic decisions uh, about shifting away from fossil fuels. We're working in an environmental social governance um, overlay. That again, you're going to have to consider um, all of these things have to be incorporated, and there has to be a tool to do it. We'll get come back to that.
1: Scenario-based planning, you know, it has to be well thought out. It has to be well researched. It has to be dynamic. It has to be flexible. And it has to address the world as it is not just the world as you want it to be and the biggest plan the biggest peril i see within that in terms of seeing scenarios across the board is that a lot of times they'll assume away things and and you got to watch the assumptions very carefully and 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 part of that has to do with technology some of that has to do with the decision making of an organization across the board but i think we need to take a look at that and and really dive into this and, and you know and, and really get into this whole decision-making piece here and also the understanding piece
2: yeah um, absolutely and and you know plausible deniability is especially in this information intensive world is no longer uh, a plan of action I mean uh, the the only plan of action that's viable is to uh, to the extent possible you know recognize what the selection criteria are and then again to be directionally correct But then understanding the interface with public policy. So, for example, right now, you've heard us talk about uh, the the repositioning of uh, supply chains, the encirclement of some of our strategic components and bringing manufacturing home. But what does that mean from a public policy perspective and then the commercial business decisions that we face? So, so for example, there's a tension with um, U.S. tech, well, North American or European as well, tech firms on, on... how much of their markets do they give up in Asia, for example, insofar as we get into a Asian conflict or a plan of action on a, a public policy basis to move away? So we, we've we got big companies, Qualcomm, over 50% of their revenues from the chi- China region uh, for smartphones. Even NVIDIA uh, has chips. A significant portion of their revenue relies on China. And, and Intel... Uh, the same thing. Ultimately, you know, we, we expect business decisions to be made on the good of the society in general. And, and I, I, everyone we would like to believe, and we do believe, is well-intentioned in those decisions. But having said that, they are held accountable, and they must have uh, some room to maneuver, knowing that there could be some intrinsic conflict with, uh, with what's going on in the broader policy
1: by the way as long as you're talking about this and, and say, you know the market pull of China if you will uh but also uh being reliant on China for for sourcing and stuff like that that's all part of the planning process but like any good discussion on scenario-based strategic planning you know we're gonna end up talking about Ken and Barbie okay <laughs> and and that that obviously will come up and 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 interestingly, we have another podcast talked about supply chains, we've talked about, you know, the threats to the South China Sea, and in and, and making Barbie, uh, they actually put in a map in the background, which uh-huh. showed the nine-dash-line claim that China rec- wants, that the international courts have said does not exist, that's a source of huge confrontation with all the countries that are active in the South China Sea, whether they border it or whether they just run commerce through it. And, and that was in there. But that was based on they were afraid that if they didn't put that in, that they would be blocked from the Chinese market. Yeah. And that's shown up in other movies as well. Yeah. You know, the original, the, the Top Gun Maverick, they originally changed his jacket from the original uh, flight jacket. Because he had a Taiwan flag on the back, and they originally changed that because <laughs> they were afraid. In fact, I think the version that went to China actually had that taken off. Yeah, so, no, yeah. no
2: doubt. I, I didn't know that. That's a, that's a great point. I, I think I, before we close, what's very important is that everyone look at every every group, organization, business, whatever uh, is dependent. Is, has, has a their unique culture, and there's there's no um, magic bullet on this one. But what we can do, or, or do is provide tools that can be massaged and accommodated for for the uh, decisions that you face. You know, for example, selection criteria uh, matrices. I mean, you know, what's important uh, to to do that. Impact grids. I mean, and then you you set your you set your probabilities and uh, likely impact, and then you're at least prepared to move forward. So, um, th- th- those are typically elements that we address. One other quick point here is that. Again, depending on your business, depending on how you've established your supply chain, depending on how you've established your distribution, and then your your, your customer profiles, all of these things are relevant insofar as a shifting scenario as it impacts costs of of, of production, as it uh, curtails distribution or access to key components, things we've talked about, or public policy that suddenly restricts your access to key components or ability to sell into a market that you've committed yourself to, that has a, a change on everything from your marketing to your pos- uh, positioning to your cost of customer acquisition, or possibly your whole customer profile.
1: By the way, uh, not to get too much into the tools themselves, but I would mention you know a lot of this starts at the very beginning with a little bit of brainstorming. All right. You need to get out there. they need to triage those thoughts, you know collect them into those larger concepts that you need to work with. and then use some of the tools. You know we talked about in, in other podcasts the comparative risk assessment. When you're looking at weighing those risks uh, across the board, you're looking at the different criteria, the history, the vulnerability that we have as an organization, which is an internal thing, opportunities that we may be able to take take advantage of, and then threats. Looking at that, weighted scores, getting a broad array of inputs, and then using things like SWOT, a very basic tool, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Some of that is to frame the thinking, to put a certain rigor to what's going on to enable everyone involved to see the scenario much more clearly, to understand it more clearly, and if you have that that strong foundation of understanding of what's going on, then you can get into the actual strategic planning process, and that's one of the ways to avoid peril across the board.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree, and and that whole element of groupthink and a point that we made earlier uh, regarding uh, culture, you know, what we witnessed in certain parts of the world, um, you know, not everyone thinks in the, and this is important, not everyone thinks uh, and, and interacts the way that we do in, say, an American or North American firm. Typically, uh, we hope objectively um, and, and directly. Some cultures are much more hierarchical and that group think is institutionalized and vertical. And, you know, frankly, to be fair, a company in North America can be can be the same way but you know what's relevant to this exercise it's only as good as the objectivity that's brought to it you
1: know I won't get into it, it as a it was an asian-based airline uh, years ago and this has happened more than once uh, that was flying into Guam and and there was a, a radar or, or radar but a uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, navigation aids was out and and the crew on board knew that where they were flying was not safe but it's a very hierarchical structure in that particular airline culture uh, in that particular society very hierarchical you defer to the captain the captain makes all the decisions so even though it became clear in the after action report that the navigator and and probably the co-pilot knew that they were on a perilous course that could put them right into a hill they didn't say anything long story short they flew right into a hill all right uh that's actually been in aviation i say this because that's actually a training thing in aviation right now with certain parts of the world where they have to actually counterbalance that, that that cultural dynamic to make sure everybody speaks up now what we have to do with all of our companies or organizations whether they're public or private is say have we done the same thing have we developed a corporate culture or do we use a corporate culture that will blind us to these threats that are out there or blind us to opportunities and, in so many words, will end up flying into a hill. Yeah.
2: Now that, that, that's an excellent metaphor, and I know we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, how you, you're, you're going to steer our, our listeners to where where they can go to access, uh, a- access these tools um, and frankly even think within the last four months what's happened with artificial intelligence mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure everyone's scrambling looking at what does this mean approach it in a structured way and and with what you have and what you need with a gap analysis and so forth and then determine next steps but you'll be thinking of it
1: by the way that uh, our resource center as always global risk intelligence and planning gripsa.com. that's grip S-A-G-R-I-P-S-A.com. That's our website. We have tools. We have ways to address this, work with you on it. Um, we're not saying we're the only place to go to do this by any means. There's a lot of different ways. But what we do say is get that more holistic uh, understanding of what's out there, incorporate into the planning process, and make better plans, better decisions, and avoid the peril that could come with the strategic planning process
0: across the board. strategic risk assessment talk with Hal Kemper and Mark Mansfield podcast weekly from the mutual broadcasting system